My name is Molly Ballard and my podcast is on Richard Angelo. Richard Angelo, born August 29, 1962, in West Islip, New York, was the only child to Joseph and Alice Angelo. His parents both worked in the education system. Joseph worked as a high school guidance counselor and Alice taught at home economics. Richard had an average childhood with no known qualities to cause him to turn out the way he did. People that knew him and his family during his adolescence described him as a nice boy with nice parents. Richard went to St. John the Baptist Catholic High School and graduated in the year of 1980. Right after high school, he enrolled in college. Richard attended the State University of Stony Brooks for two years. This led him to being accepted into a two-year nursing program at the State University of Farmingdale. While in college, Richard was described as quiet and reserved, though he excelled in his studies and made the Dean's Honor List every semester. He graduated on good terms in 1985. Angelo got his first job in the burn unit at Nausea County Medical Center in East Meadow as a registered nurse. After working there for a year, he accepted a position in Amityville, Long Island, at Brunswick Hospital. Not long after Richard left that job to move to Florida with his parents, three months passed and he was already moving back to Long Island on his own time. Eventually, Angelo got a job at the Good Samaritan Hospital. Growing up, Richard had a strong attraction to gaining others' acceptance. Working at the Good Samaritan Hospital, he quickly established himself as a highly competent and well-trained nurse. He soon gained the trust and respect of the doctors and the other hospital staff members at his workplace, but Richard was still unsatisfied. To receive the praise he had been craving, Richard came up with a dangerous plan. He wanted to put himself in a situation where he would be seen as the hero. Richard's plan consisted of him injecting patients with a poison of sorts to bring them to a near-death state. Obviously, no other hospital personnel knew about this plan. Only Richard knew what was happening to the patients to cause them to fall so ill. You would think since he came up with this plan to play hero that he would know exactly how to reverse the patient's illness. However, that is not the case. Richard never fully tested his injections, so a majority of the patients had ended up dying. Working night shift made it easier for Richard to go through with this plan, due to him being one of the very few nurses in the building. Suspiciously, while he was on duty at the Good Samaritan Hospital, there were 37 code blue emergencies. However, none of the other staff members put the pieces together. As Angelo's plan failed him, and more patients died than lived, he kept injecting more patients with his poison, trying to improve his ability to save them. His injections consisted of pavilion and anatine, which are paralyzing drugs. It is said before that Angelo would inject the poison into his patients. He would tell them that the drug is something to make them feel better. A couple minutes after being injected, the patients would begin to feel numb and their ability to breathe weakened, as did their ability to speak. How convenient.
This factor helped Angelo be able to continue his plan due to the patients not being able to communicate with other nurses or doctors to tell them what happened. They were basically stuck inside their own body, screaming on the inside for help. As they watched, Richard Angelo slowly killed them. Months later, doctors finally began to have a rise of suspicion on Angelo. On October 11, 1987, one of his patients managed to hit the call button for assistance after receiving one of Angelo's deadly injections. The patient, Gurlomi Kukic, knew something was wrong when his legs started to go numb and the numbness was creeping its way up his body. Soon, a nurse responded to Kukic's call for assistance. It did not take long for her to realize something was wrong. She quickly took a sample of his urine for testing. The test came out positive for the urine containing drugs Pavlon and Anectine. It is worth mentioning neither of these drugs had been prescribed to Kukic, so that, that is what helped other doctors and nurses discover what Angelo had been doing. The next day, Angelo's locker at work and his home were searched. Police found vials containing the drugs found in Kukic's body shortly after. Angelo was then arrested. There were only 12 of the 13 patients that survived Angelo's deadly injections. So the bodies of the victim that died were dug up from their graves and tested to see if they contained the drugs. Surely enough, 10 of the dug up bodies tested positive for the drug combination. After being arrested, Angelo confessed his reasoning during a taped interview. I wanted to create a situation where I could cause the patient to have some respiratory stress or some problem. And through my intervention or suggested intervention or whatever, come out looking like I knew what I was doing. I had no confidence in myself. I felt very inadequate. Angelo's lawyers fought to prove that he had multiple personalities. This is a disorder causing someone to move in and out of certain personalities. One personality is not aware of what the other does. They wanted to prove he had this disorder to help his case. This meant that Angelo was able to disassociate himself from the crimes he committed and was unable to realize the risk he put his patients in. Although he passed the polygraph exam when questioned about the murder of the patients, the judge did not allow those to be used in court. Angelo was later charged with multiple counts of second-degree murder. Second-degree murder is when someone does not have the premeditated intent to kill someone. They are killed by someone's reckless actions, displaying a lack of concern for human life. Angelo's story shows he did not pla did not plan to kill anyone. His motive was making them get close to death, but in the end, saved them. However, his plan was not foolproof for obvious reasons. To go into more detail about Angelo's charges, he was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder, one count of second-degree manslaughter, one count of criminally vigilant homicide, and six counts of assault. Richard Angelo, later nicknamed the Angel of Death, was sentenced to 61 years in prison. Richard Angelo's story is only one example of killers in the medical field. There are many other stories similar to this one all around the world. This is caused by people having a 
pathological interest in the power of life or death. This factor will lead serial killers into the medical profession. However, they may not become killers until much later in their career. These killers that occupy a profession in the medical field are often referred to as angels of death or angels of mercy. An example of a soon-to-be killer having the pathological interest in life and death that entered the medical field was a woman named Bobby Sue Dudley. Her story is very similar to Richard Angelo's. They both injected patients with dangerous substances. Bobby Sue Dudley was the night supervisor at the North Horizon Healthcare Center in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her job was to make sure patients were okay during the night. However, within weeks of Dudley working there, there was an increase in the number of deaths of patients. Similar to the Richard Angelo case, these patients died during Dudley's shift. Due to the patients all being elderly, it did not raise much suspicion. A month later, Dudley had killed 12 patients by giving them insulin injections and leading them to overdose. The police found the insulin locker in the healthcare center locked, and Dudley was the only one with the key. Also, all these deaths occurred during her night shift. Soon, there was a police investigation. Investigators discovered Dudley had ongoing mental health disorders, including schizophrenia. With all this evidence, Dudley was arrested. Instead of facing a jury, she worked out a plea bargain by pleading guilty to second-degree murder and first-degree murder in first-degree attempted murder in exchange for a 95-year sentence. Bobby Sue Dudley was also nicknamed the Angel of Death.